Good morning. Thank you for being with us today. You are listening to An Artist Speaks, presented by Contemporary Art Gallery Online. Contemporary Art Gallery Online represents tomorrow's art giants today. Come visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and there you can view and purchase great works of contemporary art, check out our monthly art competitions and exhibitions, our blog and newsletter, view videos of our artist's work, and listen to artist interviews from this show. Today, our guest is Phyllis Mantic de Cravedo. Phyllis makes her home in Oklahoma City, a native of Canada and a graduate of the Alberta College of Art in Calgary. Phyllis moved to the United States in 1981. She believes that her introduction to sculpture was by design. From early experiences of completing a sculptor, seeing a form emerge from a lump of clay, she has delighted in creating. Out of this personal joy, she realizes a responsibility to create work that adds value to our existence, to evoke a smile, to touch someone's heart, and for a moment to capture an emotion. Her desire is the transforming experiences of life, such as tenderness, intimacy, and spirituality, would enable new artistic growth and provide inspiration for her sculptures. Well, good morning, Phyllis, and welcome to An Artist Speaks. Good morning. Well, let's start off this morning by having you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself, Phyllis. Well, as uh, you mentioned in the introduction, I, I grew up in Canada. I am the youngest uh, of the three girls. Um, we Our early years were on a farm where my father managed uh, a neighboring uh, piece of land and the farm functions. And, but we moved to the city when I was pretty young. And uh, as, as long as I can ever remember, we were uh, involved in some sort of art activities. Uh, my husband and I uh, live in Oklahoma City. Uh, we don't have kids. We've got a, a, a dog. <laughs> uh, well, Phyllis, when did you first become interested in art? Probably uh, would have to say that I don't remember a time when I didn't make art of some sort. My mom taught me to crochet when I was real young, and uh, shortly after that, she taught me how to sew, and I would get on her sewing machine and start crocheting dolls or sewing uh, sew, uh, doll clothes. I never played with dolls. I just created clothing and things for them to wear, um, and just without the benefit of a pattern, just figured stuff out. Um, in my teen years, I changed schools in the ninth grade. So the school I had been going to had a band class and I was playing the flute, although I wasn't very good at it. And when I changed schools the following year, uh, I didn't have a band. It was a brand new school. And so uh, I chose art as one of my electives. And um, it was just a year of discovery for me. I got a chance to play with some clay, sketch, um, even welded an art uh, piece out of metal, um, murals, that type of thing. And at the end of the year, my teacher, who had really worked close with me all year long, suggested that I enter a citywide art contest. <clears throat> and I won the contest, won uh, a $50 bursary, 
that I was able to use for further education and ended up going to the university, taking classes there. And for, for a teenager, it was, wow, I'm good at something. This is awesome. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I really immersed myself in art and uh, uh, spent all of my uh, time really uh, learning about it. Uh, and in, in my high school years, that was what I focused on as I prepared for art college. And then how did you get into creating sculptures? <clears throat> well, that's another story. I've, I've had, for most of my life, concurrent careers. So I have worked as a graphic designer for most of my life. In fact, that was what I majored in at our college, not having the confidence to really uh, start off as a fine artist in that kind of major. So I... Uh, I majored in visual communications and worked as a graphic designer for over 30 years. Um, mm-hmm. And when I was at one of the, those job positions where I was an art director at a public television network, um, up to that point, I would say that I had tried a little bit of everything as a fine art media on the side. I'd tried watercolor, oils, I tried a little bit of fabric art, just dabbled in a bunch of different things but had never really found a media that was to me and said, wow, you know, this is this is what I want to do. And uh, I was working for a public television network and watching a man on TV one morning and he was sculpting. And as I watched him, I thought, wow, I'd really like to try that. That looks amazing. He had a wonderful grasp of the material and he sculpted the portrait of one of the hosts on this television show and in half an hour, it was a wonderful likeness, and all of his marks were in the clay, and it was just a beautiful piece of artwork. And uh, mm-hmm. I actually thought uh, that I would be interested in taking classes, so I inquired about them, decided I couldn't afford it quite yet. And about a month later, this same man walked into the television station uh, where I was an art director, and it was a public television network, and he was interested in producing a how-to sculpture show. And as <laughs> things would happen, they invited me to uh, put together a proposal for the show. And in order to do that, I would take classes. So I ended up in, uh, taking those classes that I couldn't afford, and um, they never did the show, but I received the benefit of those classes and continued to apprentice with this man for a couple of years, and that was my start. I just fell in love with clay, got my hands in that wonderful wet water-based clay, and and from there it took off. Well, that's a wonderful story, Phyllis. Uh, isn't it interesting how sometimes things just work out in life? Mm-hmm. Well, tell the audience, if you will, um, let's go through the process you go through with creating your art, uh, starting with where you get your inspiration. Well, my newest inspiration um, is uh, mechanical works, and I have always been a figurative sculptor and really enjoyed studying the figure, learning anatomy, uh, how it moves, and on a recent trip to Hawaii with my husband, uh, I'm going to say it was in 2010 was the first time I went. And I, I started really paying attention to the beautiful flowers and the colors and everything that we saw there. And every time I saw one, I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to sculpt that? 
the way they move and the way they flow and and the, the possibilities of, of color and patina too in, in a sculpture of that sort. But I couldn't see how that would really merge with what I was currently doing figuratively. And when you make a huge change in direction as an artist, it throws people off. So giving it some thought, I thought, well, what if I can, what if there's a way to merge these two interests? And plants are full of so many metaphors uh, that relate to uh, human life, and uh, I just thought it would be a real good opportunity to uh, uh, take a look at that a little bit more and uh, see if I could find some way to merge those two interests. Well, then once you have your inspiration, tell the audience how you go about creating one of your pieces. Probably the most important part of uh, creating the piece is is getting um, my uh, inspiration reference. Uh, A lot of my sculptures, they are based on a flower or a flower type. Uh, Probably not a literal interpretation of that flower, um, but um, maybe the spirit of it. so I'll gather all kinds of reference around me about that and read about the meanings behind some of those plants and there's all kinds of information. Um, some flowers are more meaningful than others, but there's usually good information about it. And then try and bring all that together into a piece that really envelops what that would be like and what the metaphor is that relates to the human aspect of it. And from there I have to build my armature, which is that wire and uh, metal piece that goes inside of the clay, and uh, trying to get that armature ready. Uh, Inevitably, in the middle of of the sculpture, that armature fails me, and I have to go back and revisit it and fix it, but but getting that right. And uh, then just build a piece, and it, it kind of has a tendency to take on a life of its own as I get into it, and it decides what it wants to be. Well, out of curiosity now, when I'm sure you have a more than likely a mental image of what you're going to create, do you sketch that out or you just strictly work off your mental image when you're forming the uh, sculptor? I don't sketch as much as I used to, but I do keep a sketchbook. And a lot of times my initial sketches are or when I'm just an idea flashes into my mind and I think, oh, that would be an interesting sculpture. I don't want to forget that. So I will mm-hmm. jot down a note about it and I'll do a little sketch about it. But I don't really sketch out a piece before I sculpt it. I really do my sketching in clay. And I, I try to work fairly quickly at first and uh, mm-hmm. work with, uh, with fairly wet clay. At this point in my career, I use oil-based clay, which is what you really want to use if you plan on casting in bronze afterwards. So I keep it fairly moist and fairly wet, and then I'll I'll work quickly. Well, and when you when you're working or, or with clay and and making a sculpture, is that something that you can get to a point, stop, come back the next day, or at another time, or is it pretty much one of those mediums that from start to finish you just have to go through the whole process? Well, I'd, I'd have to say that oil-based clay for me is slower than water-based clay. 
And I I find myself working differently. So if I were to work in water-based clay, I would work very quickly, and I would probably want to get it done within, at the most, uh, two or three days, and you'd have to keep that wet. But when I'm working with oil-based clay, I I have a tendency to take a little bit longer. And there there is maybe a different kind of technical to working in oil-based clay than water clay um, as to how you manage the materials how you manage the detail and you have to plan some things to make it easier for the foundry so that when they cast Mm -hmm. it, it's uh, easier for them. Um, So you have to think about those things. I would say it's a slower process for me and more technical. So as you just stated, I I was going to ask how long does it take for you to create most of your pieces? I would say that probably um, at least a month for the most part. And and that would be if I were to work on them every day for, you know, most of the day, it would go much quicker. But I still have, um, you know, uh, I'm usually working on a number of pieces at once um, of different, some of them are uh, commissions, some of them are personal works, and so they take a little bit longer. So you say commission work. Uh, what type of commission work do you do with your sculpturing? I have uh, done a number of uh, monumental commissions. Um, the first uh, commission I ever did was for the Boston Avenue Methodist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is um, it has a history for its uh, Art Deco architecture, and it was uh, designed by a woman architect, which is kind of interesting in in the time in which it was built, and it was a turn-of-the-century architect shortly after. And uh, it, it's just a, full of beautiful artwork, and it was a commission that went out across the state that they were looking for someone to do a piece of artwork for a columbarium, and they wanted it to be something that would be really peaceful and soothing in this kind of sober place. And uh, so that was my first opportunity I I put together to, it was also a a unique size. It was very tall and very narrow uh, piece to to, uh, installation points that they wanted some artwork. And so I did a couple of of tall bas-relief sculptures for that columbarium. And since then, they, they've invited me back to do another monumental sculpture for Park Across the Street. I've done another one for the city of Stillwater that is a portrait of Angie DeBeau. And she was an uh, activist and a historian and had a, a real uh, interest in the uh, Native Americans in Oklahoma and uh, their uh, struggles in life and had written a lot of books about them and uh, so this sculpture shows her and it also has the uh, seals of the nationally recognized uh, Native American tribes of Oklahoma uh, that are on the base of the sculpture. Well, that was quite interesting and how long did that take uh, you to create that sculpture? That was a two-year project and so there was a lot of yeah. Uh, it was a competition, so I was competing against other regional artists for that uh, opportunity. Well, two years, uh, you don't... When you're thinking of people that create art, you don't think that 
some aspects of art can take so long to create, do you? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Phyllis, we're at a good spot here to take a quick commercial break, and then when we come back, we'll talk in depth about some of the uh, sculptures that you submitted on a recent contest uh, at Contemporary Art Gallery Online, where you were a winner. Thank you. I want to let our listeners know that you can view and purchase Phyllis Mantec de Clavedo sculptures by going to contemporaryartgalleryonline.com, click on the Search Gallery tab, and then on the Artist tab, and follow that to Phyllis de Clavedo's name. Contemporary Art Gallery Online is the number one source for showcasing tomorrow's art giants. So if you're an artist seeking gallery representation, click on the Artist Member Corner and follow the prompts under the Member Application Process tab. And if you're a designer, an architect, or just a lover of great art who believes art can turn a house into a home, then come visit us and review some of the wonderful art created by some of the finest artists from around the world. You can search by style, medium, color, size, or by the individual artist. And again, to view Phyllis Mantec de Clavedo's art, just click on the search gallery and then follow the prompts to Phyllis's name. Well, Phyllis, let's start off this morning by talking about Tulip Pose, which was the uh, winning piece in the competition. Tell the audience about that piece. Well, uh, as the title suggests, it was inspired by the tulip, which is really one of my favorite blossoms. And in this case, it was a I started with a closed um, uh, tulip shape, and I've I've always uh, enjoyed yoga and Pilates. And one of my favorite uh, stretches um, is called child's pose, and it's to me a very restful pose. It somehow allows me to um, let go in a way of the stress. What I wanted to do was show a resting pose that uh, is calming and has a sense of renewal. And uh, so that was my intent with that piece. And there, there is some symbolism uh, behind the tulip. It conveys happy and positive thoughts. And uh, mm-hmm. I, to me, that was what my intent was with the piece. We thought that was certainly a very beautiful piece. Uh, to me, it looks like the woman is being is coming out or growing out of the tulip in, in that uh, pose. And yes, a lot of my sculptures really do that. The, the, the flower shape and the figure are one, and that's where that metaphor comes in. Mm-hmm. Well, and then another piece that you had entered was called Haven. Tell us about that particular piece. Haven is inspired by the Jack in the Pulpit. And I love this plant because it's a very tubular shape, tall, elegant, and it has a hood on the top of it. And what is really uh, interesting about this plant is that the symbol most closely associated with it is shelter. And these blooms are often traded between family members, um, usually a mother or father to their children. And it represents a a safety and a protection that the giver is offering to the recipient. And what I tried to show with this was, you know, that her arms 
come forward as if she's comforting and she's holding. And uh, mm-hmm. that was uh, how that piece came together with that symbolism. Well, that certainly, too, is a very beautiful piece. Uh, in the art that you had submitted to the gallery, and you had mentioned that this had been kind of your latest, how many pieces do you have in this series of uh, flowers and, and plants in your sculptures? Uh, I need to actually stop and count. I think I've got about six or seven pieces in the series right now. And uh, I have several that are in my studio ready to go to the foundry. So it's it's a series that's kind of growing and uh I think I'm getting into a kind of a flow with it uh, as to direction and uh, what I want to say with them the more I the more I work on them. Well, and another piece that you had entered into the competition that uh, is very bright and happy looking is called Daisy Dance. Uh, yes, I love Daisy Dance. And every, every little girl um, twirls. <laughs> and that was probably... <laughs> what i'm i'm you know showing in this piece is that uh this little girl um you know she's got her arms outstretched and she's she's joyful mm-hmm. and 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 that is part of you know what daisies are known for you know their their symbol has uh symbolism has to do with childhood purity innocence mm-hmm. and uh, the the name daisy comes from the word day's eyes and the flower opens during the daytime and closes at night. Well, that is a very beautiful and colorful piece and has a lot of energy in that piece. Thank you. Well, Phyllis, do you have a artist that is that you admire or someone that uh, whose art inspires you? Oh, there are so many. I'm not sure where to start. <laughs> um <laughs> When I was first starting off, Rosalind Cook is a figurative sculptor, and she's probably most well-known for her uh, children. Um, and and her, her works are just full of joy and a real uh, spirited uh, type of focus. And she was a mentor to me. She... Uh, each time we talked, she inspired me. And so I, I would have to say that I really admire her work. I, I'm drawn to work that features women and women of character. Um, and then and then also the women that have the ability to find humor in, in uh, some simple things. Uh, I admire the work of Shirley Thompson Smith, who is another Oklahoma uh, figurative artist. Uh, I enjoy the work of Anna Fleming. She's a sculptor. I I also came across a work recently of Anna Duncan, a sculptor from Dublin, Ireland. What I enjoy most and can relate to is that her subject matter features well and also quite predominantly, and she draws in for, uh, her inspiration from patterns and forms in the natural world. And so because I do to a degree also, um, I really like that simplicity of form and the way she relates the concept so simply. Well, Phyllis, how much time uh, do you allocate on a daily or weekly basis to create your art? I probably spend about 12 hours a week in the studio 
um, that might not be enough. And uh, then additionally, I spend a, a number of hours uh, planning the marketing aspects of it. Right now, I'm um, you know, working, trying to put together uh, my um, portfolio, and I, I plan on really approaching some more galleries uh, throughout mm-hmm. the states. And so I've been spending a lot of time on that aspect of it, and that's all part of what we have to do as artists. Well, that's a, a good segue because I always like to ask artists about uh, marketing because I think for a lot of artists, uh, that is usually the the tougher of the aspects of being a, an artist. So if you could expand a little bit more on how you go about uh, doing your marketing and the process you go through. It's uh, been only recently that I've actually sat down and wrote my biography. And what was really uh, enjoyable to me was that when you and I first talked about doing this interview and you asked me for a bio and I thought, oh, this is great. I have a bio. I can send it to him because I had really (laughs) taken the time to sit down and think through that. You you have to have a short bio. That's a few words. But then in order for a gallery to really take an interest in an artist, they want to know enough about the artist that it mm-hmm. kind of captures their attention and they want to find out more about this person. So I really took the time to um, address some of the questions that they might ask me. And then the other thing was to put together an artist statement and to think that process through um, why I create what I create and all of those are marketing materials. Uh, to put together a portfolio that I can show on my iPad is an important thing for me. Even if I don't have access to uh, a network, I need to have something that's on my uh, iPad so that if I have an opportunity to, to show my work to somebody, it's there. And then the social aspects have to do with having a Facebook page, writing in a blog, although I admit I'm not, uh, a daily or even weekly writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, to keep up with my uh, website and to regularly change over the artwork, add new things, rewrite um, just all of the things that go along with uh, keeping your artwork active so that when people see it, it's fresh and exciting and new. Phyllis, that was very good about the... Um the bio and the statement, and not only is that important to the gallery, but it's important to the prospective buyer, uh, and that's right. one of the reasons mm-hmm. the galleries, you know, like that because the buyers always want to know something about the artist because when they have their friends over and they comment on that art piece, they want to be able to say something about the artist. I mean, that's, that's, they do. That's, that's their point of connection. Works, so. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's real important to make that connection. Well, Phyllis, we're near the end of the show, and one last question that I always like to ask the artists on the show is advice that they would have for someone mm-hmm. that's new getting into the art business. I would say that uh, the most important thing for me has been to keep studying. So I take workshops on a regular basis. Some of them are local. Some of them I, I'll go to another state to study with someone that I really have an interest in. So I've, I, 
I will never feel like I have arrived. <laughs> there will always be that next <laughs> step that I can reach. And so keep learning. Um, you know, I would say have some goals. Work towards those goals. Imagine yourself as being successful. Um, put down the phone and get in the studio. <laughs> and sometimes that's, that's hard. Uh, I, I, there's things that capture my attention outside of the studio that I, just for a minute, and pretty soon I'm lost in that. And and if I just take that time to put those things away and not look at them for a little while and get in my studio and really absorb myself in what I'm doing and what's around me and listen to music and get lost in my work. Well, that is great advice. Uh, I tell everyone that talent is important or having talent is important, but you must practice that talent to get better at whatever you're doing, whether it be painting or sculpturing or whatever, creating any type of art or any other talent, a musician, that type of thing. It's There's a lot of practice that should always go hand-in-hand hand with that talent. Well, Phyllis, I want to thank you for joining us today on An Artist Speaks. It's been my pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you for having me. Well, it's been our pleasure, too, and I certainly have enjoyed our chat together and look forward to seeing more of your art on the gallery. Thank you. And I also want to thank our listeners for being with us today. And again, to view Phyllis Mantec de Quevedo's stunning art, to listen to this interview, and of course purchase some of Phyllis's art, visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com. I want to let all of the artists listening in today know that Contemporary Art Gallery Online hosts a monthly art competition and exhibition. To enter your art, just click on the Art Competition tab and follow the prompts. And while you're there, you can check out all of our upcoming competitions and exhibitions. And if you're an architect, an interior designer, or a lover of art who likes to have interesting and beautiful art adorning your walls, then visit us at ContemporaryArtGalleryOnline.com and view some of the most exciting original art that you just can't find anywhere else. And while visiting our gallery, we would love for you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and our blog. So please sign up so you can keep up with all that is happening at the gallery. And Artist Speaks airs every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, so we'll meet again next week. And again, thank you for listening today, and have a great rest of your weekend.